0: Don't worry, we'll get we'll get to why I've got a cupcake and an orange up here. Um, I'm not going to just eat it in front of y'all. y'all. So, this morning we're going to be in a new series called Holy Holy, and I'm really, really excited about it. I hope that you guys are too. What you'll find in front of you, or below you, is um, a workbook that I wrote up um, for us to go through during the week. So in the workbook, you'll see there's a page for you to take some notes during the sermon, and then throughout the week, what you're going to find are three studies, three studies for you to go through on your own personal devotions throughout the week. Um, I would recommend you don't do them all at once, and spread it out over three days during the week, do the study. And so... We are really excited about this. We're going to have all of our community groups participating in this series as well. So the community groups will be discussing these topics. And all of us individually hopefully will be going through this workbook um, in our own personal study times. And it should be really beneficial for us all. I've put a lot of time into preparing this series. Uh, I finished the uh, workbook like right before I had to get it to the printers. And so there are some typos because... I woke Melissa up from a nap to have her (laughs) check it. And so she half awake checked it. And there's a few typos. So you know what? I don't work full time in ministry. Just give me some grace, okay? Uh, Other than the typos, I think it's pretty good. (laughs) So we are going to be in this series for four weeks. And the title of the series is, is Holy, Holy. And it's this idea that we as Christians are to live holy lives. And... It really should be a holistic thing. I think we tend to compartmentalize different aspects of our life, different parts of Christianity. And I think God really wants his holiness to be seen in our lives in every aspect of it, every part. And so um, let's pray real quick, and then we're going to dive into some scripture and really explore this topic. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you so much for every single person that's here Lord, thank you for all that you have been doing in our church. And God, I just ask that your spirit is here, God. I pray that your spirit would work on our hearts in a new and fresh way. Lord, the word that you keep giving me on my mind is that we would receive, God. Um, Lord, that we wouldn't have hard hearts, that there wouldn't be any pride. God, that we would just humbly receive from your word what you have to say about holiness in our lives. And so in Jesus' name we ask, amen. So when we talk about discipleship, the obvious question that sometimes isn't asked is discipling them towards what, right? If discipleship is helping people mature and grow and come to know God in a more deep and real way, we have to ask the question like, what are we pushing them towards? And as I tried to answer that question for myself, my immediate response was Christ-likeness. We're, We're discipling people to, I've been discipling, I'm discipling people to be more and more like Christ. But what word would define that well? And I believe that word would be holiness. I believe holiness defines what we are to grow towards. Now, you may want to kind of argue me a little bit in your head immediately when I say that. I mean, that's because there's been certain things that have been taught in churches about holiness that aren't quite what holiness is. And so maybe for you, when you hear the word holiness, you are only thinking of morality. You're only thinking of do's and don'ts in scripture. And I believe that holiness is is really something much um, broader than that. Though, of course, God tells us things we should do and things we should not do, and holiness absolutely... Um, plays out in in forms of morality but it has a lot more to do with us as who we are and what we've been called um, to be than it does just about what we do does that make sense and so holiness in scripture is really defined as being set apart it's not morality it's not do's and don'ts it is actually that you have set apart that means you're different from the world. When when Christ saved you, when you received the gospel and you were saved, it says that in heaven you were justified and you were made in right standing before God. And God set you apart from everyone else. He set you apart from the world. He set you apart from sin. And that means that you're special and different from what you were before. Does that make sense? It's when Christ starts to say that we're heirs and that we, we are children of God and that we're a part of his body and a part of his church. You see, these are special things, and that's what holiness is. It's being set apart for the calling that he has for all of us. And so holiness is actually a beautiful thing in scripture. But I think sometimes in the Christian church, we kind of think of holiness as this negative word. And I think that's dangerous Because it's actually something that's really beautiful. And so, I want us to dive into this series for four weeks and really explore the idea of holiness. But to explore in a holistic sort of way. Where it's all about our calling and who we are in Christ. Not just about our actions. Does that make sense? Now, we're going to talk a lot about actions. Don't get me wrong. But ultimately, it's about being who you're called to be. Now, I don't want you to mistake... Holiness for perfection because that's something we can do so if I 'm saying be holy you think I'm saying be perfect and I know that you can't be perfect and I can't be perfect We still are in this sinful world and we still have these bodies of flesh that have tendencies to be you know tempted by certain things and, and have evil desires right we, we wrestle with things as believers don't we but we are still called to be holy. Now God knows that we can't be perfect. We see John. He's the last living uh, apostle. And he's 90 some years old. And he's writing the book of 1 John. And he says when we sin. He, he's including himself as the last living apostle at 90 years old. Saying he hasn't reached perfection. And so you might hear in certain Christian circles this idea called the holiness movement. And it's really they believe that you can kind of become perfect while you're on earth. And that is not what we're teaching. We know that if, if John still sins sometimes, when he's 90 years old, as the apostle whom Jesus loved, kind of a special role. Like, if he's still sinned, then we're still going to sin sometimes. We're still going to struggle. So holiness isn't about perfection. It's about recognizing your calling and what you already are in Christ and living out of it. Rather than trying to be perfect, necessarily. Okay. Let's... uh let's take a look here in first Peter chapter one this is kind of the theme verse for the series first Peter chapter 1 verse 14 it says as obedient children do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance but as he who called you is holy you also be holy in all your conduct since it is written you shall be holy for I am holy he says I want you to be holy in All of your conduct, that's pretty challenging right there. I wish it said some of your conduct, because I could do that, (laughs) right? We could do some, right? But all our conduct, that's challenging. That's difficult. But here's the thing. The Bible knows, the Bible teaches, and God knows that we are still in these human bodies, and we're still going to mess up. But it doesn't say, okay, so just give up. You're going to sin, so just give in. You're going to struggle, so why try? The Bible never gives us that. Every time it says he's holy, so be holy. God says this multiple times in scripture. This is one place where he says, I am holy, so you be holy in all your conduct. And so I think we take that and we go, all right, let's look at our lives, all our areas of our lives, all of our conduct, all of what we do, all of what we say, all of how we think and feel. And let's explore it and say, Lord, am I being holy in this area? And I think as we mature and, and as we are being discipled and held accountable, I think we would start to see lives that are more and more holy. And I believe that's what Peter, writing this, wants for the church. I believe it's what God wants for us today, is that we would look at all parts of our life and desire to be more holy. Now, let's talk about oranges and cupcakes. Anybody? Yeah? <laughs> Cupcakes are delicious, right? They're not very good for you, are they? Um, so, we've got a cupcake and an orange. There's not a lot of things um, that they have in common, is there? Other than that they're food. And they're both sweet. Okay? Some oranges are sweet. Somewhere You ever get a bad orange and it's not sweet at all? Well, I used this analogy when I was like 17 years old. I was a youth intern and I used this analogy at our um, youth group, and then I was asked to preach at another youth group. Uh, it was my uncle who was a youth pastor in a town about an hour and a half away, and he, come, he asked me to come and, and guest speak. And so I used this analogy, and it was about what we're supposed to be as Christians, right? And so I think um, I couldn't get a cupcake without sprinkles. Apparently Walmart only sells sprinkled cupcakes. So we're just going to pretend that this cupcake was born as a Christian, okay? Like, they were born into a Christian family. You know, they probably born in Texas. Uh, and I wanted a cupcake without any sprinkles for this analogy to work better. And I didn't want to, like, get my fingers in there and take all the sprinkles off. So we're just going to go with this. He was, he's kind of born into a Christian family, this guy, okay? And a lot of times we think that Christianity is just about adding more Jesus, Right? You get baptized, you, you add a little more Jesus. You go to uh, some Christian classes at your church, and you, you get a little more Jesus. and throughout your life, you just as you're growing, you're just getting more and more and more oh, Jesus oh <laughs> But I don't believe that is in any way what the Bible teaches that we stay the same, but we just add Jesus to it. We sprinkle some Jesus on it. But I think that's what we do a lot of times, and that's what we preach a lot of times, and that's what we tell people is, hey, you just be you, but let's just throw some Jesus on top. You just do your thing, you just live your life, but just throw Jesus in there. Make sure he gets a little credit every once in a while. And the Bible tells us that we're set apart, that we're to be holy. Like, this is already true of us in the heavenly realms, that we are something different altogether. We're not a cupcake that's adding some Jesus to it. We've been transformed into something different. Something completely different, right? And so, that's a little bit more of what I think the Bible teaches is that we become something different, right? Now, you do need a little cleaning up though, right? And so I think the rest of our lives, a lot of times we're just wiping away some of the remnants of who we were. But we are something that's completely different altogether, right? And so it's a 10-year-old analogy from when I was 17, okay? I know it's not perfect. (laughs) But that's this whole idea of being holy and set apart, is that we are to be different now, to be transformed now. And yes, there's going to be sin that's still there. You're going to be wiping away some of that old you for a long time. But for us to be holy in all our conduct is recognizing who we are, And cleaning up the stuff that doesn't match to our identity. Because our identity is not in sin anymore. Our identity is not in this world anymore. Our identity is now in Christ. And anything that doesn't fit with that needs to be cleaned off. Amen? And that's kind of the idea. And so I've broken uh, this idea of holy into four um, subjects. Or call them four sections. Four parts of living a holy life. The first one in what we're going to be going over today is devotional holiness. Um, Let's read this verse real quick. Ephesians 4 1. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. And so today I want us to look at the first one, which is devotional holiness. The idea of devotional holiness is that we would be holy in our view of God and our worship and praise of Him. And for us to be able to do that, we must know who God is. And really focus in on His holiness, right? It it doesn't just say, hey, be holy. The Bible says, I am holy, therefore you be holy, God speaking. I'm holy, so you be holy. So for us to be holy, we have to be looking at God. We have to have our eyes focused on Him. We have to be learning about what He is like and, and how He loves and how He acts and what He loves and what He hates. And we're looking at Him. Our eyes are focused on Him. And so this is where it has to begin with devotional holiness. Us devoting ourselves to looking at His holiness and who He is and learning from it. And so that is why it's so important for us to praise his name and for us to pray and, and worship him and, and thank him for all that he has to know his scripture and trust the authority of his scripture and learn about him. These are all forms of devotional holiness. In Luke 10, 27, it said, And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He tells us we need to love God with what? All our heart, our soul, our strength, and our mind. It's holistic. It's all of us. It's our emotions. It's down. Deep to the essence of who we are, it's with all of our effort and strength, and it's with all of our mind. And I believe sometimes, uh, because of personality traits or because um, of the way we've been taught, we're really good at maybe one or two areas, but not all of them, right? So, like Melissa and I, we, we, we worship. In, in different ways, right? Melissa, she's a musician. She leads worship. And for her, like, it's just song and, and prayer. She, that's how she really just devotes herself to God. She's in devotional holiness when she's listening to worship music or singing a song. And for me, it's like I, I, when I'm dived in deep to some meditating on some scriptural tr- truths, Like, I'm like, man, I feel so close to God. And I think we can learn from each other because I'm worshiping with my mind and she's worshiping with her heart. And we need to really do both. And so I think we need to holistically look at how can I worship God with my mind, my heart, my soul, down to the essence of who I am and with all of my effort and strength. I believe that's what devotional holiness is all about, is us going before the Lord and giving him our all. And it begins with prayer and praise and thankfulness and and the fruit of the lips. Just acknowledging who He is. You know, through all of this, we have to ask this question though. Why is God deserving of this? Is He deserving of it? Really think on that. Because I can tell you, hey, you really need to worship God. But if you don't understand that he is worthy of it, if you don't see God for how good he is, for how mighty he is, for how great he is, for how awesome he is, then that just seems like a church task. And it won't really come from the heart. And you won't really care. And you might just fake it. But when we really, really think on who he is... The natural response should be to just adore him and worship him. Amen? And that's what devotional holiness is all about. And so, I want to read this quote to you. It's from a guy I really like. I read a lot of um, some of his commentaries and books. And his name's R.C. Sproul. And he talks a lot about holiness. Let me tell you something about this guy. Maybe I don't agree with every single point he's ever made, but I really enjoy his teaching. I didn't really know who he was. I had this friend um, who posted a lot of his stuff. He was an old Bible college friend of mine. And I was always like, all right, who's this R.C. Sproul guy? Why are you always quoting him? And so I was in just a rough spot. This was probably four or five years ago. I was just in a rough spot spiritually, in a rough spot emotionally. Um, And even with work stuff, I remember, I just, things weren't going all that well, right? And I really wasn't in a very spiritually healthy spot. I was just kind of frustrated with life and not really going to God with my problems and everything. And I was like, all right, I'm going to check out this guy, R.C. Sproul. And I start reading uh, some of his stuff, and I I go to a YouTube video, and I watch it, and he's talking about the holiness of God. And I'm, I'm laying in bed with the laptop, listening to him preach about God's holiness. And I started sobbing, probably uncontrollably for 30 minutes, because the presence of God in that moment was overwhelming to me. Who he was, really thinking about who God is, was overwhelming to me. I just, I couldn't get up. I just sobbed for 30 minutes in the presence of the Lord. And you know, it's so healthy for us to focus in on who God is. R.C. Sproul says this, the Bible says that God is holy, holy, holy. Not that he is merely holy or even holy, holy. He is holy, holy, holy. The Bible never says that God is love, love, love or mercy, 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 or wrath, 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 or justice, 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 it does say that he is holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is filled with his glory. God is love, he is merciful, he is, he is just, he, he does have wrath against sin. All these things are true about God. But when God defines himself in scripture beyond anything else, it's holiness, it's set apartness, it's unlike the world, it's unlike sin, it's unlike all those things. He is set apart, he is different, he is holy, he is special. And so I think for us to really practice devotional holiness, it is completely focusing in on his holiness And recognizing it. You know as I was saying that moment where I'm experiencing the presence of God. But more than that with my heart and my soul and my mind recognizing his holiness. It was overwhelming to me. But you see this a lot in scripture actually. When people are in the presence of God recognizing who he is. The response is almost always the same. Let's read just a few, few of these. Well, uh, let's just start with in heaven, okay? So everything's perfect there. So we can probably go, this is probably what being in the presence of God should look like. So let's just start there. Revelation 7, 11 says, And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God. They fell on their faces and they worshipped God. There is this overwhelming a uh, response, this overwhelming emotion that happens that causes them to fall to their faces when they're in the presence of God. They don't stand there and go, "Hey, God, I really have some questions to ask you. I really need you to explain yourself to me." You know what I'm saying? But I hear that kind of talk. I've said those kind of things at times. Man, I got some questions for God when I get up there. Like, how arrogant am I to say that He's God? The only person that should be answering questions is me right now he's loving and he's probably going to explain a lot of things to us and I understand why we say that but it's arrogant you see people in scripture when they're in the presence of God they're not questioning him they're not doubting him they are worshipping him with their faces to the ground because they know that they are not worthy to be there even the angels and the four living creatures were some kind of crazy looking angels and the elders which lots of commentators like to debate on what those are doesn't matter they're all worshipping God They're all on their faces. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Physical action and verbal action, everyone will at some point. They will have to because the presence of God is overwhelming. Now that is before he divides, it says, and he judges those and and blesses others. But they all have to fall before him. They all have to fall. The presence of God is overwhelming. You see this throughout scripture. In Genesis, Abraham fell on his face, and then God spoke to him. You know, in Nehemiah, Ezra says, Ezra, bless the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen. Lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. This is after there's a revival in the Jewish nation, there's a revival in Jerusalem. They all raise their hands, bow their heads, and worship God with their faces to the ground because they're not worthy. In Chronicles, David said said to all the assembly, Bless the Lord your God, and all the assembly blessed the Lord and the God of their fathers, and bowed their heads and paid homage to the Lord and to the King. Joshua is in front of Jesus. He sees Jesus in the flesh, and he falls to his face and bows. Ezekiel, the same. John, he sees the glorified, risen Christ in revelations. What does he do? He falls to his face and worships. Daniel sees this man who is Jesus in the flesh. It's a vision. What does he do? It says he falls as though he were dead. It's the response he has to the presence of God. He falls to his face. You know who else bowed when they prayed, put their head down? Even Jesus modeled this for us. When he would go and pray, he would bow with his face to the ground and he would pray to the Lord. Jesus modeled this equal with God, the Father, yet he bows to show us how we should pray, to show us how we should view God. Devotional holiness is recognizing who He is with all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our heart. And this plays out in, in journaling when you're reading the scripture, when we come together and we we worship God, when we when we're praying, we should be thankful of Him, not just asking for what we want, though we should do that. We also need to thank Him for what He has given us and praise Him for who He is. Holistically pray. To devote ourselves to him with all of our mind, and all of our heart, and all of our soul, and all of our strength. He's worthy of it, church. He's worthy of it. Now, when I was younger, I'd say a lot of things like, well, worship's in the heart, bro. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just about the heart, man. And I would go to charismatic churches with my friends, and they'd all be raising their hand. And every once in a while, somebody would have a flag in the back ever been to one of those churches right and what would i do Uh, i would criticize right well that's just a show right worships in the heart man arrogant little 17 year old punk (laughs) okay let's say they were doing it so that others would be like wow he worships so well who cares is it any of your business and odds are they probably aren't. Maybe some are, but they—but you're just sitting there judging them. And judging is just as bad as, as faking something. So you're in the same place, okay? And odds are they're not faking it, and you're the one who's in a bad spot by judging. That's what I learned, all right? Don't want to be too harsh here. But how dare we criticize how other people worship? Sitting there, stone-cold face, arms crossed, worship's in the heart, bro. You know, it is absolutely true. God often speaks against only worshiping him with our lips. And he speaks against when they would come with their sacrifices, but then they go throughout the week and just take advantage of the poor and abuse their wife or whatever sin they were participating in. And he's like, hey, like, hey, that's not the worship I want. I don't just want the sacrifices. I don't just want the fruit of the lips. I don't want you to just raise your hands during worship. I want your whole life. And we're going to get to all that. Trust me. These next three weeks, we're going to get to a lot more stuff. Right? But He also wants the fruit of our lips. He also wants our physical response. He wants us to shout with joy, to praise the Lord, to raise our hands, to bow our head. As I said, we will get to those other areas because they're really important too. And yes, there are plenty of people that probably just come in and, whoo Jesus! And then during the week it looks totally different. They don't worship with their whole life. They just worship devotionally with their words, with their, with their lips. But we can't just say, well, it's in the heart, so I don't have to do any of that. You know what that's like? That's like a husband saying, well, I said I love you when I married you. Do I really need to say it again? Right? Well, I love you, but I just don't want to hug you. Like, <laughs> like what if I like treated my son that way? Right? Like, my son, when you were born, I said, I, I love you and I- I'll love you. Okay? So... When we see each other, we haven't seen each other all day, I'm not going to give you a hug. Like, come on. Like, no. It's in the heart, bro. I love you in the heart. We don't need this physical or verbal expression of love. We don't need that because it's in the heart, bro. See how ridiculous that would be? What if you did that with your spouse? Well, I love you in the heart. I don't have to wash the dishes. (laughs) And sometimes that is more of an expression of love than any hug or kiss, trust me. (laughs) I've learned that one in marriage. I want to show Melissa I love her. I mop the floor. <laughs> right? Uh, we can get into the whole how we receive love and show love. Okay, that's, that's a whole other thing. But I'm, what I'm saying is there are expressions of love, aren't there? There are expressions of love. And yes, it has to be real in the heart. It has to. That's absolutely true. But there also has to be expressions of it. Otherwise, that relationship is kind of a joke. I mean, I don't think any of us would look at a relationship that has no expressions of love and and admire it. Would we? If I saw people that were kind of cold to each other physically or um, distant from each other, they don't encourage each other, love one another, wouldn't you kind of go like, what's wrong with you? Because it does show something inside. It can be faked, certainly, but it also does express what you are feeling and that you do love them, doesn't it? And it's the same with God. You see over and over in Scripture, I would would challenge you to find somebody in the presence of God who just goes, well, I love you with my heart, God. (laughs) You know? I I don't see that in Scripture anywhere. And for this message, I did look. (laughs) Right? Like I looked, trying to find what people's responses were in the presence of the Lord. And it was basically almost always, the same. Some were a little more extreme. Some it seemed as though they like passed out and fell on their face like Daniel. And others maybe it was a little like more like, willing. <laughs> right? Like Slow getting to their knees and then bowing their face or raising their hands. And so church, I want us to learn to do that. To devote ourselves to God in these forms of expression of love for him. Because he's worthy of it. He really is. And that's the thing is a lot of times we don't because our eyes aren't on him. They're on ourselves or on the people around us. Right? Especially at church. Right? When you're at church and you're thinking about you during worship or you're thinking about those around you. Yeah, you're not going to want to express. It's going to feel weird. But I, w- I would challenge you. There's one area of many. Well talk about some more but this one area here we're worshiping when we sing songs if you're focused on yourself or other people around you thinking about what's going on in the room yeah you're going to feel weird raising your hands or but when you're really focused in on how holy he is thinking about how worthy he is it totally changes your heart it totally changes what you'll do Now, it's easier in a bigger church. I know that it's easier in a bigger church because you don't feel like anyone can see you, right? You don't feel like you're going to be judged. You don't feel like it's this awkward thing. So in a big church, it's easier to have everybody raise their hands. It's easy to get emotional and cry. I'm not telling you what it should look like. I'm just telling you don't be afraid of anybody else in the room. Just focus in on God. And maybe for some... That's going to be raising their hands or it's going to be crying or from some of you, you're going to need to sit down and journal some thoughts real quick. But I want you to express your love for the Lord when we come together, church. I'm not going to tell you what to do exactly, but I'm going to tell you that he's deserving of it. I am going to tell you that we see consistently that people respond verbally and physically in scripture to the presence of God. So whatever it is that the Holy Spirit leads you to do, if you, if it's, for me, I've had times where I just had to sit down and write some things down because I didn't want to forget them what he was speaking to me. Other times I just cried. Other times I raised my hands. Other times I'm not the most charismatic person. I don't run around in room or something. But here's the thing, if somebody did that, I don't know that like, that would be such a bad thing. right? Like We can maybe think it's weird, but at the end of the day, if they were in, with the right heart, good for them. I don't care. Like, I just don't care. Because I see in throughout Scripture the Bible, you're like people are doing weird things sometimes for God, right? Daniel, like, or David stripped off his clothes and ran around in his underwear in front of all the people. Now, please don't do that, <laughs> right? But do you know who got criticized in that story? It wasn't David? It was his wife who judged him for it. That's who got criticized in that story. <laughs> Jay, I feel like is the one that would just do that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just look at Jay. And Jay's like, yeah, this is my kind of message. <laughs> I just wish for it. Don't touch me. <laughs> <laughs> Express your love for the Lord, is my point. And it looks different, right, for different people. But I would say the person who gets criticized in that story is his wife, it's not David. But then this—you got to take this home. It can't just be a Sunday thing, right? It can't just be a Sunday thing. Devotional holiness has to go home with us. It has to go to work with us. And this is going to look like a different thing for all of us. You know, it used to be for me back in the day. I would ride my bike, listen to some worship music or a podcast, and man, I would—I would really feel like I was in the presence of the Lord. I could really just worship Him. It's going to look different for all of us. I'll say that prayer is essential in it. And re- you really got to get in the scripture. Because that's how we know who he is. That's how we better understand what he wants for our lives. And, and we can truly see that he's holy and worthy of it. That's why we have to be in scripture. It's good for us. So find a way that is kind of prayer and scripture centered. Find a way that you can just worship him, adore him, praise him. Be thankful for all the things he's given you. Take it home with you. And you be you in that sense, right? Like it, it won't look the same as the way I do it. But what's important is that we're expressing our love for him, not just kind of sitting around watching TV, going, "I love him in my heart." All right, there's nothing wrong with TV, okay? But I'm saying we get caught up and we go, "Ah, the Lord knows I love him." That's just that's that sounds like an abusive husband to me. Like, you know what I mean? It doesn't sound like a good relationship to me. Good relationship has expression, has expressions of love, and so. In this workbook, this is maybe a good starting point. Do the three studies on devotional holiness. Um, And don't criticize my bad punctuation or missing letters. (laughs) (laughs) Sound good? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, God. You are so worthy. You are so holy. Lord, I... Man, I just pray that we would recognize that, that we would receive this truth, that we would be overwhelmed by who you are. Lord, it's all about you at the end of the day. Everything is for you. It's for your glory, God. Lord, I pray that we would live in that reality every moment of every day, saying that you are worthy, you are holy. How can I worship you here and now? Jesus, we love you. We know that you love us. And it's only because you loved us that we can love you back, Lord. Lord, I pray that during this time we would think on all of the ways that you've shown that you love us. Think on how good you've been to us. How holy you have have shown that you are. How different, God. And we focus in on that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.